The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I am your host. I'm uh, glad that you're listening with us today. I am very glad that you've joined us here on the Spirit of Recovery. I want to also thank you for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook and for posting your comments and also for sending uh, emails and letting me know how life is going for you and what's happening for you in your recovery journey. And I'm always uplifted because you send messages that let me know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery makes a difference, that you're finding inspiration and information that's helping you in your spiritual development and helping you in your recovery process, however you define that. I love the opportunity to broadcast on the topic of spirituality and recovery. It's a topic that's very dear to my heart. And um, so thank you for listening and thanks to UnityOnlineRadio.org that provides this opportunity to uh, broadcast on this topic and to participate with this great community. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your spiritual communities, your families know about us here on the Spirit of Recovery. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach recovering people and uh, have a real engagement and involvement in this process. And our guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer or your smartphone, and you can listen to many of the great archived programs that we have. Uh, Listen on demand at unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you are the family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in recovery and you know family members can be in recovery as family members um, and uh, 
So whether that's true for you or not, or whether you're just interested in the topic of recovery, whether you're just curious about it, interested in spirituality, you're welcome here at Spirit of Recovery. You're welcome to make a comment or ask a question for my guest. You're welcome to participate in our discussions. I also want you to know that if you feel moved by Spirit of Recovery or any of the other wonderful programs that you hear here on Unity Online Radio, it's easy to support financially this network. You can do it using your smartphone. You can make a one-time gift or a recurring contribution. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and all your financial contributions go to support the great programming that happens here on unityonlineradio.org. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And 33 years ago, those relationships were an incredible catalyst that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And um, I am learning to say now that I'm a family member in long-term recovery as a family member. And uh, that's an exciting way to think about myself and my life journey. My walk is an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and that walk keeps richly transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So again, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what's happening for you in your recovery and spirituality. Today, our topic is recovery, the community connection. You know, uh, recovery really is not an individual matter. Well, in a way it is and in a way it isn't. We know that we alone can do it, but we cannot do it alone. And so uh, we certainly know that recovery support groups, uh, treatment, professional care is uh, can be certainly an important part of recovery, and that's a, a part of reaching out. Also, the connection to the community goes beyond that, goes beyond even the recovery support groups, beyond the professional uh, care and treatment and counseling and so forth. The broader community is really a part and parcel of recovery. And today my guest is Robert Miles, and he's just uh, just the essence of what it means to be connected into the community and uh, regarding recovery. And he's going to be sharing with us today a lot about that because he's worked with communities uh, for as a recovery treatment and prevention professional. He's worked as a legislative advocate and in many, many other capacities for over 25 years. His resume is so long that uh, it would take an hour to read it to you, so I won't do that. But it's a wonderful testament um, to what he has done and the engagement that he has had and does still have with uh, communities regarding recovery. A few things about Robert is that he is a certified advanced addiction counselor. Um, he's been doing that work since the early 90s, late 80s. And he maintains a private practice working with those who have the disease of addiction. He also has won a very prestigious uh, award. That's the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals Hall of Fame Award. And he won that in 2013. And uh, that's only been awarded 16 times in 40 years. So, you know, that's a big deal. 
Currently, he's a board member for the Texas Recovers Rally for Recovery, which happened a couple of Saturdays ago. It was a little rainy, so it didn't quite have uh, the splash. Well, I guess it did have the splash, but um, not quite all the activities that have been hoped for, but it was still a great event, and I went myself and enjoyed it. Um, Robert is also and has been a member of the NADAC, which is the National Addiction uh, Professionals Association Political Action Committee, and he has served for a many number of years on the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals Legislative Committee and has been the chairman of that. And he's been involved in so many different ways um, uh, with in feet on the ground and lots of community efforts and prevention and um, supporting people that are on probation in, in just so many, many ways. So, Robert, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for the opportunity to speak for those who suffer from addictions. Um, and I appreciate uh, your uh, having me here, and hopefully the things I'll share will be helpful to many other people across the country. Yeah, thank you. And um, I know they will. You know, uh, one thing that uh, has kind of been a, a topic of conversation, I guess, maybe, I don't know, the last several years in, in the recovery community has been the idea of, of how important it is that the greater community is involved and that communities understand addiction and recovery and they become recovery supportive rather than uh, recovery hostile. So if you would start us off, uh, Robert, and, and an idea with that is what first got you interested all these many years ago in recovery and uh, why did that matter to you? What got you on this road? Well, I've been in a 12-step long-term family group uh, for 27 years. Uh, At that time when I got in, I had just had a family member who um, I discovered was uh, deep in addiction. And uh, so that brought me to the attention. I had had uh, a lot of sales experience, which did play into the greater, in the, the things that I eventually got into. Um, I was with uh, two or three national companies uh, and uh, an independent rep for a while and so forth. So I had the skills trained by the national companies to organize, to do things like that. So um, I got in there uh, and just uh, found a home in my recovery group for long-term recovery family members. And uh, as uh, things unfolded, I was able to use those uh, sales management skills in um, helping to organize people uh, eventually uh, for legislative activity, for um, the greater good of recovery, and to speak to various uh, situations that I encountered. Um, so that's that's my entry into the field. Um, mm-hmm. It was 180 degrees from where I was as a sales manager. But at the same time, those skills came to play greatly. Right. And, you know, one thing that is really interesting about what you're saying is that it sounds like pretty early on that you took what you were learning about recovery personally as a family member, and you pretty fast saw how important it was for that. You got it grounded in your own re- recovery and your own self, but you saw pretty fast how important it was to get uh, the community involvement and to get out there and, and start seeing a, the bigger picture? Well, it was uh, part of the 
the stigma at the time, in 1987, there was uh, no Faces and Voices recovery. There was no movement at the national level like that. And so I just dug into local organizations. We had our professional organization, Texas Association of Addiction Professionals. And uh, at one time, I had an office in, uh, with an officer in Dallas, Arlington, and Fort Worth. And finally, somebody told me I had to be officer in one place. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got I got busy and uh, just stuck with uh, Fort Worth. But uh, it began a journey, a journey of explanation about the disease. And then I carried that over as a suggestion of my um, long-term family uh, intervention or group. And uh, so I decided I would just go into that field. And mm-hmm. I had some financial support from uh, a family member, and so I just took two years off and immersed myself in every seminar they had in Dallas and Fort Worth. And at that time, they, the, all the treatment centers were going gangbusters, and so there was plenty of opportunity to get. And then I got my, my license um, eventually, going through training and, you know, certifying and all that. And um, so, you know, it became a life mission. It really did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you first started uh, getting out there and and talking to groups in the community about addiction and and recovery and so forth, what were the reactions that you got? Well, there was a lot of disbelief at the scope of addiction. Um, that was one thing. Uh, and when I would speak, like I remember speaking at one particular uh, youth group at a church, and uh, things click for two or three people and they suddenly realized that they and their family system were dealing with the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. And so that was a very powerful experience for them. And then I began to see that as I spoke, wherever I spoke, that there would be those who would be, you know, in some form of um, connection to someone who's addicted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it it does kind of wake people up, but like you said, it initially, it's uh, people kind of like go nah, nah, that that couldn't be it, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. I had mm-hmm. that going on in my own case uh, with the family member. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I just didn't understand until until uh, I got more knowledge and more education about the whole the whole process. Right. Well, how do you see the um? the impact of addiction on communities. And I know, again, there's been some shift from, as you're saying, in the late 80s when maybe you got really first engaged and now, you know, 2014, there's been some change in some different ways. But what would you say today is the impact of addiction on communities? Well, it's only $500 billion, so it's just a huge mm-hmm. monster in our communities. And uh they don't seem yet to realize that. I know I, I go to I've been to Congress 18 years, uh, talking to the various legislators from, of course, from Texas, and uh, it's uh, it's always amazing that uh, when you tell them you're a person in long-term recovery, they look at you like, well, you look really nice. You're dressed up nice. You're talking and articulating, and <laughs> so that's the deal. I know one particular congressman's office, and I guess I better not say who it is, but I went there seven years, and the aide was the same aide. He was very nice. And I went back the eighth time. I did my presentation from NADAC. They always have the bullet points for us to give Congress. And so 
he's sitting there, and so I finished my little story. And he was always polite, but I didn't know what he was thinking, of course, all those years. But that year, he reached over, put his hand on my knee, and said, Robert, I want you to go back to our district and tell all the counselors that you work with or know that they're doing a marvelous job for the families in our district, and I want you to thank them. So what had happened was he got the message, which was Mm -hmm. a horrible way to get it. One of his family members had come into um, the addiction process. So, But Mm -hmm. sometimes that's that's what it takes. It's real sad that we don't get on the front end of it and uh, educate them, um, and they understand. But uh, we know Mm -hmm. treatment works. It's... uh, for every dollar in treatment, you save $13 in criminal justice. And, of course, Texas has got the largest prison cop population in North America, so they're mm-hmm. still not getting it down there. Mm-hmm. When you go to talk to legislate, and tell us a little bit more about the background of that. So you were on the National Addiction, that's NADAC, a professional organization. You were on their legislative team, and you've been on the Texas legislative um, chair Mm-hmm. What, tell us a little bit about that, and what do you talk to the um, lawmakers about? How does that well, relate to addiction? They, of course, it's like a sales pitch. You have, you have, if you have ten minutes, you've had a real long time with them. So you got to mm-hmm. have your ducks in a row. But you have to remember, either in Austin or Washington, whatever you tell that aide, he must tell the congressman or the senator in Texas or Austin. What you said. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to vote for it, doesn't mean they're going to pay a whole lot of attention, but that is their job. So, rarely have I ever sat in front of a federal representative or a state representative and brought my point. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's, that's the way that works. And generally, what you have to do, you have to succinctly get to uh, a few bullet points because you don't have a lot of time. And uh, both at the state level and national level, we've always, the NADAC has always furnished uh, succinct uh, information that they want pushed on a certain bill, uh, and the same thing in Austin. We have about three or four points, and that's about all you're going to get across. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a myriad of issues you could bring to a congressman or senator, but you have to really pare it down to just a few uh, few major major points, Yeah, so... It's interesting to see how that works. And then, of course, you go home, and then you call their uh, offices. You go visit their local office, uh, because every time you make a phone call, you represent 50 voters, either in Austin or Washington, talking to those people. And then if you send an email, that's worth 100 voters. Mm-hmm. And if you stand in their office with five people, that represents 500 times five. That's 2,500 voters. And they will treat you with respect because you are their boss, and we forget that a lot of times. They pay attention to his constituents from their their district, either in Austin or Washington. And so we can have a major uh, play um, by just showing up. That's great. Hold on to that. It's time for our first break. Um, okay. And uh, we're it's great. Thanks for what you're sharing with us. Our topic today is uh, recovery, the community connection, and my guest is Robert Miles, who's very involved in uh, working in the community for recovery. We'll be right back.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right, your favorite Unity Online Radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. For listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. If you're just joining us, our topic is recovery, the community connection. And we're talking about how important it is for the broader community to understand and support recovery. My guest is Robert Miles. Robert um, has been an addictions counselor since the late 80s. He has been very involved in prevention and um, and also working with the legislature as an advocate for people in recovery and for recovery-oriented um, support. He also is a winner of the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals Hall of Fame Award, and he won that in, in 2013 as a recognition for the wonderful work that he has done and does do um, in the field of recovery. Before I get back to my conversation with Robert, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of meditation in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to become aware of your breath, and to uh, feel that presence of God, aware of that from the crown of your head all the way through your body temple, and allow your mind to relax, allow your heart to open, and share with me this constructive idea. I shine the light of life. I am a valuable member of my community. I shine the light of life. I am a valuable member of my community. And now we take a moment in the quiet. France for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to feel that peace and that presence that is your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Robert Miles, and uh, our topic again is recovery, the community connection. 
So, Robert, before the break, you were telling us about some of the experiences that you've had um, uh, with uh, talking to legislative aides and and the power of people. Um, Again, something new is happening now in the recovery community. It's always been happening, but it's becoming more obvious, and that is that people are getting engaged in uh, the legislative process and in the empowerment process. So what what is it that government can do for people in recovery? Well, we have um, teams of people like NADAC and Texas Association of Professionals who are studying the laws that are on the floors of the House and Senate in Washington and the same thing here in Texas. And uh, they information comes through. Of course, we're always uh, cognizant of the money issue, which is huge. Right now, what they're doing nationwide is they're spending ten dollar ten out of a out of a dollar. They spend ten cents on education and prevention, and ten cents on treatment, and eighty percent on interdiction, which is guns, bullets, helicopters, and all that kind of stuff. So, it's way out of balance from what we know. We know that a good uh, education, uh, even in prison, can have a tremendous effect on recidivism. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're always striking toward a better balance of where the money's spent. And uh, we do that by following what these uh, organizations like NADAC, which has a view of the whole United States. And then here in Texas, we have Texas Association of Texas Professionals who's always aware. Uh, for instance, uh, this November coming up, we will have 6,000 bills presented to the legislature in Austin. And of those, they'll all be assigned to a committee. And we're always studying those and trying to, you know, pick two or three major projects where we can attack the money issue or sometimes even our licensure. And so it's a slow process. Some of these, uh, some of these uh, bills take six or seven years. Uh, when a bill goes into the process, it's usually three of our two-year sessions before it actually becomes a law. So you have to be very, very patient with them. Now, how powerful a vote is, I want to talk about that for just a moment. Sure. We've got a situation where we had, um, um, trying to think which one I'm picking out, but anyway, in the, in the federal level, we had a tie between Aaron Burr and Thomas Jefferson for President of the United States. And uh, so they they tied 73-73 because the country was so small, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the uh, <clears throat> vote was taken. And uh, by one vote, uh, they, they re-voted and Jefferson became president by one single vote vote and what a travesty it would have been had not Jefferson become president. We wouldn't have the whole central Louisiana purchase. We wouldn't have so many things. I've been in the Library of Congress uh, several times and seen his library and he was just an unbelievably prolific writer. Another um, another situation up there was uh, Texas when Texas was going into the Union. Um, by one vote, uh, Texas got in the Union and it was a vote from Louisiana that switched. Um, women's suffrage. Tennessee was the last state, and by one vote it passed there, so women have now have the right to vote. So our votes count, and we forget that. We just forget how powerful it is because we get overrun with all the other things that are going on and forget that we're still a republic. We're still 
have freedom to, to express ourselves and, and, and vote, and it's critical, critical, mm-hmm. especially with uh, some of these issues. Now, if you can get to your local congressional legislator office to show up, give them information, give them, give them what's going on, or uh, make a visit to your state capitol, or just make a telephone call. Now, in Texas, we have a big, uh, about 1,500 people wired in to when something happens, they get a message from me. It explains what the issue is and kind of what to say, and we go we go into go into action. Um, right. We had we had the bill in uh, Washington D.C. Um, to get uh, the uh, issue of uh, chemical dependency back in play through the Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, actually, it was before that. We see the Heart Bill. We passed the Heart Bill. And that was due to about 14,000 people calling in to uh, their offices to, to get that bill passed. But it was a major landmark because before that, we had been stripped. When they put the American Disabilities Act in, they left out chemical dependency and, and drugs. And that was a major thing. And just a lot of people can get together and make a big difference, yes. You know, uh, a lot of times there's, Obviously, we understand that in recovery, there's the tradition of anonymity in 12-step programs. We understand that. I certainly honor it. I know that you honor it. Um, how can people get engaged in these kinds of empowerments through the community and still honor the tradition of anonymity? In the past, people have kind of felt like, oh, my goodness, if there was addiction, you know, in the family or the person, we kind of better hide it and even with from recovery. So this is kind of a new thing happening, right? Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you, about 1954, I saw a film clip in the Anonymous People that's uh, running around the countryside. And Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob testified right square in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. And they didn't miss a beat about who they were and what they were. And that was a result of the Marty Manns Act passing that uh, allowed to cause the... Uh, the um, insurance companies to be able to pay uh, treatment for addiction. So, in a way, you know, you don't want to. It's, it's an individual thing. They can still do it any way they want to. But for me, uh, I just uh, like we're doing here today. I mean, I'm in long-term recovery and proud of it because mm-hmm. they they get confused that people in recovery have six heads and four arms and all this kind of mess, and they really don't. Mm-hmm. They really don't. They're very productive citizens. They vote. Uh, they have the power of the ballot box. Uh, you know, the, the more you can be engaged with your local legislative uh, officers or the mayor or anything you can get in and uh, make them aware of this disease called chemical dependency, it's huge. Right. What have you seen happen, uh, Robert, as people do in communities or legislators, lawmakers, do start to grasp that, you know what, it's a disease. It's not a shame. It's a disease. What happens? What's some of the good stuff that changes? Well, you know, the sad part is it has to hit their family. That, that's, that's what we're going to. I know that, uh, uh, for instance, um, just a little bit different from what you're asking, uh, we had a particular representative, I, and I've been to, I go to Austin every other year and go visit, the, of course, the Tarrant County delegation where I live, and, and uh, we went in this office with this uh, 
this office, and I was talking to the secretary. It was late in the day. It was about 4.30, and I was pretty well pooped from stomping all over the place because the capital's huge. But anyway, so I said, well, I'm here. I've got my agenda I wanted to talk to somebody about, and I'm from Arlington. Arlington? Oh, my gosh. The representative came out and shook my hand. They got me coffee. They got me a chair. They... They they went uh, listened very attentively to everything I said, and the reason was I'm their voter, mm-hmm. and they do that. You see, we we continue to forget we have the power. We have the power. We power the ballot, and uh, so that's that's uh, that's you know that's some things that uh, I've seen happen. But the travesty is that a lot of times people don't get it until it hits their families and. Prevention and, and education programs can help with that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of uh, Atlanta two years ago, and from uh, October 1st to December 5th, I talked to 14 college campuses across the, the northern part of Texas. And uh, those students now know about legislative advocacy and that their vote counts. And uh, so it's just a continual education process for these uh, legislators uh, and the community as well. Right. Yep, for sure. Yeah, keep keep getting that word out. So how does spirituality play a part in this? Well, the spirituality uh, is huge because you're being connected to something bigger than yourself um, and things work better. When your spirituality, I choose to use church, and I also use my my twelve step group to uh, to connect to to have a more peaceful life. You know, um, and, and spirituality really helps uh, as a counselor. It helped a great deal in that I never checked on people once they kind of finished with me and so forth because I knew I had done my best. Um, in later years, uh, I've been I've been able to, with permission, uh, pray with people and just, you know, um, let God do his work. And I did mine. I mean, I always did the best I could, and, and then it was up to them and, 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 their, and God and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of what I took over these politicians, because you're not going to have instant success. You're not going to have instant success with, a, with an addict or an alcoholic either. But it's a very slow process to turn those wheels back the other direction. Right. Yep. So how do you see things have, do you think things have improved um, in the recovery arena since the, since the late 80s or gotten worse or just gotten different or how do you see the change? <laughs> well, first of all, the addiction's alive and well. We all know that. And, uh, you know, an alcoholic affects uh, 20 other people and all those figures. We all know those. But uh, there is a small, slow turning, like this movie, The Anonymous People, by Greg Williams, that's been shown around the country. That's that's a big break. And uh, so I think, I think people are more engaged uh, individually now and able to uh, spread the message, so to speak. We know we have this big... Uh, I've been on the board of Texas Recovers uh, since it started. It's a, an event we have during the month of uh, Recovery Month, which is September by SAMHSA, and uh, I've seen it grow from 500 to, well, we had about 
maybe 3,000 in the standing in the rain uh, this past uh, Saturday, two weeks ago, at the steps of the Capitol. But uh, I see growth in that. I see uh, these loss and things like that that have come into play. Um, the movement is growing really, really well, uh, very healthily, you know, and uh, I'm just uh, tickled to see the changes that are being made. And even on college campuses, some of these uh, campuses where uh, there's 42 recovering campuses in colleges where they have uh, clean and sober dorms, they have clean and sober uh, recovery movements in, in the evening. I know I went to Texas Tech a number of years ago and attended one of their Celebrate Recovery things on, on Thursday night, and they had every kind of 12-step group represented. So that's that's big, you know. I'm talking on the phone today in a conference call, and there's a um, SMU is having a, a, a tailgate, clean uh, and sober tailgate party for their football game that's coming up. So you know, there's a lot a lot of movement going on all over the countryside, and it's great. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, do you think that there's a change in attitudes or not in the general public? I think so. Uh, sorry to say some of these, um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, I don't know exactly how to describe them, but some of these uh, uh, people in movies and TV and stuff that have had relapses and so forth and so forth, that's caused some awareness because they've been able to, uh, you know, the Bet- Betty Ford thing with uh, back there with uh, Ford, President mm-hmm. Ford, that was the beginnings for us. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, you know, some of that some of that, that happens is so almost glamorized, even though they're carrying a message about the person and what happened to them, that's still, you know, at least some awareness for people, you know. And, then, of course, now the NFL is about to make the decision to to put a, uh, not only uh, drugs, but now they're going to consider alcohol a drug, and so they're going to change their way of doing So it's, it's slow. I mean, we didn't get like this overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. But I see a lot of a lot of hope, a lot of people moving forward with different projects, like these college campuses and so forth. So it, it's it's gratifying to be able to see it begin to move. Yeah, that's great. It's time for our break. Uh, stay with us. Our topic today is recovery, the community connection, and my guest is Robert Miles, who is a. Uh, a chemical addiction counselor who's been very involved and is involved in the legislative uh, advocacy for uh, recovery affirmative actions and um, has uh, just done so much for in for recovery in the community for years so stay with us we'll be right back wellness expert dr michelle robin on healthy living in the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly, Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it, that you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. 
Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is the recovery, the community connection, and my guest is Robert Miles. Robert has been an addictions counselor for many years, and he's very involved in uh, in the legislative process and has been doing that for many years, an advocate for recovery-oriented uh, support and policies. So, uh, Robert, before the break, you were telling us some more about the, um, about the legislative process and about how important it is um, to get involved and to vote and to talk to your representatives. How about at the local level? I know you've done a lot of work at the local level with drug-free schools and uh, different things. What goes on at the in the local community that people can get engaged in? Well, there's a lot of volunteer opportunities uh, in the area of addictions. I know that a number of years ago we had a situation with uh, my high school, uh, and since I knew somebody that knew the superintendent, she called me flat out and said, we need help. We don't have mm-hmm. any drug and alcohol counselors in our school of 50,000, and so I want you to go before the uh, school board each week and make little presentations about things, and I did, and eventually they went to the legislature and they got, you know, they got counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when you get known out in the community a little bit, things will come your way. I know mm-hmm. we had uh, a situation there at uh, my high school uh, where um, I was invited into, I'm trying to look up the name of it, but anyway, it was basically something like the drug and drug and free drug free schools and uh so uh, i was on that for five years but they use our expertise um because you know you take you take Kay bailey hutchison for instance she's not there anymore but i'll give you an idea uh i wondered why she wasn't more active on certain things and i looked up and that woman was on 28 committees in the senate hmm. now how on earth can she even know what she's going on so she uses her age very judiciously about uh, bringing her up to date on this and that and the other. So um, 
we we really uh, need to be aware of our community efforts. I mean, there's a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of times, if you're checking your local paper, you'll see a maybe a, a like the rally for recovery that we that we've developed. In fact, that rally for recovery is for people, twelve step people from everywhere, and now they're having them in Dallas and Houston and. San Antonio and Fort Worth even this coming Saturday. So uh, you just have to look for those opportunities and be willing to, uh, to get your roll up your sleeves and, and get to work. You know, the, the Red Ribbon campaign here in Texas with schools is still a viable thing. They still they still do that. Uh, I go to career day um, at uh, two elementary schools and one junior high. And each year they ask me to come and talk about counseling. Well, of course, I can slip in there a little bit about alcohol and drugs. I take a, I take a female counselor with me because I learned quickly that that made a huge difference. And uh, everywhere we talked, every class, uh, particularly in our area here, we have uh, asked the question, do you, do you know anybody who uses alcohol or drugs? And, we, and I'm talking to 30 junior high kids. Mm-hmm. Well, only 90% of them stick their hands up. Mm-hmm. Because they know it's that's what a huge issue it is, and sometimes kids will not come apart, but you can see the stress is going on, and we refer them always to a school counselor. But they had some problem, big problems in their own homes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's kind of like it's everywhere, uh, right? And nobody's immune to it, and stuff like that. I mean, you just you take how much. Uh, uh, it's tied up. I know locally here in our Arlington Police Department. I went to the, the I took a friend and, and we went and talked to the police chief. And I, we just posed a simple question. Well, what if there wasn't an alcohol and drug problem? He said, I'd have to lay off 75 percent of my policemen. <laughs> so it's <laughs> tremendous, tremendous expense, and we don't really think about it like that. I mean, we want to save lives, and you know, we're not knocking that, but. That's a lot of loss. That's a lot of stuff could be done different if we, we, we had a better handle on education and prevention in, in our schools, yeah. Right. And, and cities, the whole city. What do you think is the most important thing to let people know when you educate them about uh, addiction? Well, of course, it's a disease. We've got that down. Uh, they don't know that, but we, we have now all kind of research to prove um, their predisposition to to uh, drugs and alcohol if it's been in their family system anywhere even two generations back, uh, but to to know that there's hope hope is the biggest thing we can put forth I do to my clients or to anybody else uh, because there's so many people out there are just totally bewildered with their family's actions and one thing and another and, and they can't really put their finger on it but they know things are you know, things are not uh, going well. So I think that, uh, you know, just putting ourselves out there and, and being aware of the issues, um, you know, we've got the issue now with the marijuana and all this mess, and you know, so we've got to speak out uh, against things like that as we can, or they're going to get passed. You know, mm-hmm. here in Texas, I, I don't think it's going to make it out in Texas because of our <clears throat> kind of known for regnet uh, thinking. But it's still, you know, something we have to stay on top of because it, it can happen. Right. And you say you still do some work with the Department of Transportation and what teaching classes for people that have gotten DWIs. Is that right? Well, 
not necessarily DWIs, but uh, the Department of Transportation um, in the, um, let me think, at this straight, uh, early 90s, there was a train wreck in New York City, killed 19 people, and the train driver had alcohol, cocaine, and marijuana in the system, and Congress got mad. I don't know why they don't bring it more to the front. In two months, it had passed the Department of Transportation regulations, which require that uh, there be a substance abuse professional called a SAP interviews this person who has the offense, and then if there's education needed, not treatment, then several of us can um, take 6, 10, or 12 hours and educate them and maybe even have them go to 12-step meetings. Um, but that's that's public safety. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, uh, that was a horrible event to wake them up, and that's what's sure. scary about all this stuff. It's, it's, it's always kind of after the fact rather than being proactive and, and educating people. But education is the key to this whole thing. I know in our prisons here in Texas, uh, we educate criminals, and we cut down recidivism tremendously mm-hmm. because they're not all going to change. I mean, 25% of the prison population is going to be the same way between now and the end of the end of, end of time. But you can get to people if you'll educate them, you know, make them aware. Mm-hmm. I know I've spoken at uh, churches. I've spoken at uh, parent groups. Um, just give them information. I mean, they... They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. And and we who are um, in recovery have a message that is hope. I mean, these people are desperate for hope. Right. So, you know, I, one thing I'm hearing you say loud and clear is that, or you're implying it, that you don't have to be a professional necessarily to get out there and share some information. I mean, you need to have factual information, but... Anybody sure. in recovery can be an advocate, right? In your community, well, absolutely. In lots of ways. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't have to have a, a big formal uh, bunch of plaques about speaking or anything like that. It's just because you're coming from the heart. You know, mm-hmm. that's where we we operate in Washington or even Austin. You know, we we uh, we have a political action fund, for instance, that we contribute to. It's like I don't know, ten thousand dollars or something like that right now. But each year, our, our lobbyist tells us where to place those dollars. He places the dollars for us because he knows who it is. So let's say the governor uh, gets uh, $25 million in political action money from the big corporations, and, and we got a, we got a, a legislature there, we give them $100. It makes a huge impact because they know... We're not rich. We're not corporations. We're there because we want to save lives. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. We want to save lives. We want to help people. And, and that makes a huge difference because a lobbyist is listened to in a congressional office 25% of the time. An mm-hmm. advocate like us, when we go, they listen 75% of the time. So it's a huge difference. In other words, we're there because we want to help people and save lives. And you know, we're there especially for the suffering addict and alcoholic who can't go to the halls of Congress, who can't walk those halls, and we who can, you know, are helping them. So it's it's a hand-in-glove thing, but we really, really need advocates um, at the local level and the national level. Right. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And let me ask you this, Robert. What do you think if people... Again, it's an individual choice. It's not pressing anybody. Everybody's different. But what's it done for you personally as a person in, in 
fan, as you said, a family member in long-term recovery, the fact that you've gotten involved in the in the broader ways um, in the community around recovery, what's that done for you personally? Well, it's given me a mission in life. I carry a medal given to me by 12 recovering teenagers in Washington, D.C. for my advocacy work, and I wear it every day. That's my mission in life is to get more money for prevention, treatment, and education. And I tell people, I probably three or four people a week will stop me and say, is that an Olympic medal? Well, it's a replica, but I get to tell my story. I get to tell how bad off Texas is. The Texas is last in mental health and substance abuse money, and yet they've got these magnificent highways. I get to tell them that, you know, the, the whole story uh, of recovery briefly, you know. But uh, it's, you know, it's a continual fight. It's kind of like that Energizer bunny. The more you do it, the more they crack. You know, I, we went to Kate Bailey Hutchison's office uh, a number of times. I always handled the two senatorial appointments from Texas, and we're sitting there getting ready to go, and the the aide turns to me and says, Robert, I want you to know, because of your efforts, Kay Bailey Hutchin went on the Senate floor two months ago and attached a bill for $50 million for prevention, treatment, and education. And, um, you know, and, and it passed. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, What's fifty? What's fifty million up here? You know, mm-hmm. now if it's fifty billion, we we get somewhere. But that's better than nothing. So unless we go, the alcohol industry is in those offices every week passing out money. And mm-hmm. yet when we go, they're very kind to us, and they know that we're there because we're trying to save lives. We're trying to help the suffering addict and alcoholic who can't help themselves. And if that's not a mission, I don't know what is. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's carrying carrying the message that Bill and Bob and all of them want us to carry, no matter what group we're in, because I was the twelve step groups everywhere sprung from their thinking and their abilities. Yeah, right. What do you think? Do you think that Bill and Bob would be uh, surprised, or what do you think they think if they they knew saw what was happening today in the recovery movement? I think they'd be so excited they couldn't even see straight, uh, mm-hmm. because you know they. Like I say, when the insurance company got up there and they, they changed the laws and, and, and the insurance company started covering addiction, it was directly because of Bill's testimony. Him and Marty Mann got together, you know, and, and she was it's a female, of course. And right. She did the research, literally the research down, and it was a no-brainer. So mm-hmm. every insurance company in 1954 forward made provisions for chemical dependency and drug addiction, alcohol addiction, in their treatment. Of course, they finally figured ways to wiggle around it where they didn't have to, but oh well. They have to now, and it's still, all the years since we passed that uh, Parity Act, um, they're still jacking around with how to implement it. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's on the books, but getting them to do it something else. But that's another issue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another story, huh? Well, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Tell it, give us, uh, our time's about up, but give us your last words of wisdom. What, uh, what would you, what do you want people to take away today with them to, uh, help them keep, get, keep on recovering? Get involved. Get involved and one vote, one vote counts. Go to your representatives and especially during this election. I mean, you'd be surprised that if you go and volunteer for that particular representative who will be friendly to our issues, they never forget. They never get. That's the most powerful thing you can do is help them get reelected. And then when they get elected, thank them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I had, I had, and I'm watching, I've got about a minute left. Um, but we had that happen in, in uh, Corpus one time. I took several of the alcohol and drug counselors to the office as the local rep because he supported the bill in Congress. I walked in, the lady said, what do y'all want? And I said, we don't want anything. We just want to thank you for supporting our bill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody thanks people anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's powerful. Right. Thank you so much, Robert. My guest is Robert Miles. Our topic is today has been Recovery, the Community Connection. And uh, I want to thank Robert. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, you've uh, shared a lot of great stuff with us. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back on Spirit of Recovery. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. From mayhem to miracle, from disaster to divine, Rants to Revelations Radio finds the opportunities for spiritual growth in everyday moments. Drawing from current headlines to pop culture, Reverend Ogan blurs the lines between the sacred and the profane, bringing meaning to the meaningless, with guests who are dedicated to transforming the world for good. Join Ogan live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for Rants to Revelations Radio. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Rev. Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? 
Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.